Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. Start us off in 2020. Who's here? Hello, uh, I'm Aaron. Yay, Hi. our friend Aaron is here. Hello, 2020. Hello, Hello 20, 2020. Hello, 2020. <laughs> Did everyone's vision get better? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, that was a really bad joke. You know, I can see clearly now. My hindsight. Oh my gone. gosh. <laughs> Your what? My hindsight did. Oh. Hindsight is 2020. Nice. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, we have our friend Aaron here. We're actually recording from a hotel in Boston, which is where our podcast was born. Really? So, in Boston, yeah. Not in a hotel, but... In Boston. Yeah, in Boston. Is born in Boston. So, it's, ha- it's exciting to be back and recording in... Um, the hometown of this podcast, the technically birthplace. the birthplace. So um, we're we've got some fun stuff coming up for you, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little tired. We had a wild night. Yeah, we had a, we had a sleepover. <laughs> we had a sleepover. <laughs> we're in Boston because we went to go see a show at um, American Repertory Theater yesterday. In um, not we're not in Boston. We're technically in Cambridge, but right. whatever. It's Boston. We're at Harvard. <laughs> yeah, my one disappointment in this um, trip is that I'm pretty sure at no point was our car ever parked in Harvard Yard. Uh, oh, we could do it on the no. way out. <laughs> yeah. We could go We could go park it at Harvard Yard and say that we did it. Park the car. So we had a wild sleepover. We chose to spend the night. So we had a wild sleepover where Jane had the flu and Aaron and I played games. <laughs> Fun. How are you feeling, Jane? I'm alive. <laughs> She's alive. It's a miracle. Doing much better. I am doing much better. Yeah, I woke up yesterday morning. We had to leave very early. And I think I was just kind of fatigued, but I was like, it's because I woke up so early. Mm-hmm. And then in the car, I just like felt a gradual headache coming on. And I already, I've, I've had it like a subtle cough for a couple nights. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> we got in to see uh, the show we were seeing. And throughout the show, I just like immediately was like oh no I feel ill mm-hmm. and like Sarah at one point leaned to me and was like it's, it's hot in here and I was like you're hot I'm freezing yeah I gave Uh-oh. her my jacket like I was yeah. sweating and she and was shivering I just like sat there throughout the whole show like enjoying it but like also suffering and then at the end like we went to stand up and applaud and I was like <laughs> I was like, all right, here it goes, stand-up time. And it was like, oh, no. (laughs) And then I just felt awful for the rest of the night. But Sarah and Erin were very good nurses. We did our best. They took very good care of me. They brought me to our hotel room, and we stopped it. Got, like, medicine Lots of medicine, yeah. Yeah. We're lucky this hotel is across the street from a Target. I mean, it's really easy to acquire things. Napped in and out the whole sleepover. It was great. It was fun. (laughs) feel much better it was a good time it's also this is our first episode that we've recorded since the holidays yeah did you, did you both have a good holiday break you did yeah great <laughs> did, sarah did you how were you doing it was fine. mine was short um i had a good holiday break i like i didn't really occur to me how little i did and like this is gonna sound terrible but i played <laughs> so many video games and i spent so much time good. just like sitting down and lying down watched a lot of movies caught up on some shows like which is what i needed it's exactly what i wanted because I, I was so busy leading up to the break that like i just totally reset i didn't realize how like stationary i had been over break until we were two days this week two days back <laughs> at school and my legs are killing me from standing <laughs> all day because i had been so so not standing over break like so much lying down 
Yeah. And like when you work with young people, I like, you know, crouch a lot. And so I guess I had just been doing squat more squats during the day than I realized my like quads really hurt. So every time we got out of the car yesterday, I was like, this really hurts. Well, as we were driving, I was like pounding on my leg, like trying to like loosen up the muscles. Um, I feel a little better today, but that made, that didn't make me feel good. <laughs> like, wow, I was truly so lazy that the pure act of standing is causing me pain. You know, New Year real me, <laughs> as we say. Oh, yes, I, I said that because I saw an article where instead of saying New Year, new me, mm-hmm. um, you should say New Year real me because if you say New Year, new me, and then you end up not meeting your goals or your resolutions or changing yourself in whatever way you want to you end up reverting back to the person you were and that's kind of not kind to yourself to be like well now I'm the terrible version of me again like you gotta have a little more self-love than that right but if you really want to change yourself like this is the real me like because you were always capable of it right but then if you don't meet it it's like real me failing (laughs) failing again Jane coming at you with the self-love yeah so much self-love so speaking of the new year should we go right into Jane's topic? Today, oh, Jane has yeah. a topic, and I have a topic, and Aaron has a topic, which we don't know what it is. It's going to be short, I think. That's fine. It's a surprise. This episode's full of surprises. I decided to do one yesterday morning. Yes. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to do one. I'm just going to hang out. And then I, an idea came to me, and I, I tried to research mm-hmm. in your car, in the car even yeah. though I get car sick. So Brave I, I pulled soul. something together. We'll see how it goes. You might need to edit a little bit. I have a feeling mm-hmm. it's going to be scrambly. The notes are going to be all over the place. No worries. Don't worry about it. It's going to be more than perfect. So, Jane. Hello. Please tell me and Aaron all about Y2K to celebrate this new decade. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm excited. Y2K. Why is it called Y2K? Why 2K? Why 2K? Well, um, the letter K stands for kilo, which is a unit of a thousand. Mm-hmm. And so 2K means 2000. Mm-hmm. And Y stands for year. So Y2K means the year 2000. Oh, that's all the year 2000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for 32K. Um, so, wait, it wouldn't be. Why 3K? You're right, you're right. What did I say? 32K. <laughs> 32,000. <000. laughs> Can't wait. Why 3K? You're right, you're right. So, the turning of the millennium, like, in general, other than being a big deal, mm-hmm. like, I feel like we, like, partied it up this New Year's because it was the turn of a century, De- but... Decade. I'm not... Decade. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to say century, and I feel like that's wrong, and that's exactly what happened. Decade. It's sort of a decade. But imagine, like, the turning of a millennium. Yeah. Big deal. Big party. Big deal. But BTS would have performed three songs instead of two. <laughs> uh, they did so good. Did you see Jim and Sparkly Sweater? Yes. <laughs> they did. Slowly revealing ourselves as fangirls. Okay, but the big worry about ev- that everybody had about Y2K is just that computer engineers in the 1960s through 80s kind of fucked up at... <laughs> made a really big mistake when they were like making computers and that is because data storage was really expensive and literally took up physical space yeah um they were trying to save as much data as they could so when they programmed the year into computers they just did the last two digits of the year so instead of saying like 1975 it would just say 75 okay 
Um, so we realized when we were getting close to the turn of the millennium that the date on like almost every computer yeah. in the world that was like running everything would go from 99 to zero. Oh. And I'm pretty sure the way it was was that computers were kind of programmed to know that it was the 1900s. Yeah. So it wasn't that they thought like it's the year zero now. Yeah. But they would think it was the year 1900. Okay. Yeah. But that causes a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, because computers just run a lot of things that we don't even think about. Like even back in the 90s, I feel like we think of our day and age now being so run by computers. But back then, computers were already taking over a lot of different types of businesses. Banks, for example, um, had computers that calculated everybody's interest rates for their loans. And these computers calculate how much interest to add on to your loans on a daily basis. Basis, And the fear was that the minute the year went from 99 to zero, that the computer would get really confused and think it was the year 1900 and it would literally subtract a hundred years worth of interest from everybody's loans and make all the bank computers like malfunction and people were worried that their money was going to go missing like a no, lot of- no loans yeah <laughs> i didn't know this was about computers all this it, yeah. time people were really worried that like if they had any money in banks it would just disappear mm-hmm. that was a big fear at five uh, years old we were not aware of this <laughs> i know i was i don't remember it at all transportation was also potentially going to be affected because computers were keeping track of like flight and train schedules and there were no planes in the year 1900. Right. So if you told the computer it's the year 1900, it might delete everything. And, but the biggest worry that everybody had was that computers were already kind of running technology at power plants and energy facilities and mm-hmm. nuclear energy facilities particularly. And the worry was that the plants, which depended on routine computer maintenance for safety checks, such as water pressure and radiation levels, mm-hmm. if they didn't have the correct date on the computer, it would just mess up the calculations and mm-hmm. potentially cause power to be lost and people's lives to be at risk because when you're dealing with nuclear facilities, yeah, right. it's a big risk. So people who weren't even like really a conspiracy theory type, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. were just worried that all the computers were going to malfunction and it would just like cause an apocalypse accidentally like oh no all the nuclear facilities are going to melt down we're not going to be able to travel anywhere we're all going to be stuck where we are we can't awkward yeah (laughs) so that was party (laughs) so those were the really big worries technology wise with y2k now Mm -hmm. ultimately we didn't need to be as worried as we were. Okay. Uh, hardware and software companies raced to fix this mm-hmm. and literally just went into all the computers and like added space to make it a four-digit date system. Uh-huh. And it was a really easy fix. But we were all acting like, we'd never fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> We've made this horrible mistake. No, they simply expanded the date to be a four-digit number. And some countries, like the U.S. and the U.K., put millions of dollars into rushing to fix this problem and, like, updating our computers. But a lot of other countries, such as Italy, Russia, and South Korea, (laughs) did practically nothing. Yeah. And were not worried about it at all. And they had no more or less technical problems than any other country. (laughs) So. Awkward. (laughs) We kind of wasted a little bit of money. Um, Lucy. Yeah. In the end, there were actually very few 
problems that occurred. There was one nuclear energy facility in Ishikawa, Japan, that did have some radiation equipment fail, but all the computers had backup systems in place just in case. So even though the main computers failed, nothing went wrong. Okay. Everything was fine. They Mm -hmm. fixed it very quickly. Um, Also, on that same day, the U.S. detected missile launches from Russia. Um, Oh, jeez. And in the U.S., there was a moment of like, this is because of Y2K. Like, computers messed up and they launched some some missiles. But it was later determined that the missile launches had actually been planned very far ahead of time as a part of Russia's conflict with Chechnya. And no computer malfunctions were involved. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's really the technical stuff. Uh, There was also a far-right Christian evangelical group that had a lot of conspiracy theories. They mainly... Well, there were conspiracy theories that a lot of other people had that they were worried that terrorists would take advantage of this time of technical malfunction Mm -hmm. to attack in both cyber terrorism and actual terrorism. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people worried, as I said before, that their money in in the banks would go missing or that the stock market would crash. So that was a worry of people who were not far-right Christians. But far-right Christian evangelicals and fundamentalists were interpreting this event as a sign of the apocalypse essentially as foretold mm-hmm. in revelations mostly yeah uh the they believed that the second coming of jesus would occur in the year 2000 mm-hmm. which it's a lot all at once i know <laughs> there's a lot this is a big year <laughs> it was a big year uh so they had been looking for signs to indicate the last days as prophesied in the old and new testaments mostly revelations but also in daniel ezekiel and matthew Ah. And they saw everybody else freaking out about this Y2K computer bug. And they were like, ah, that's a sign that this apocalypse Mm -hmm. is about to happen. Mm -hmm. Because the interpretation of Revelations, as they were looking at it, said that Jesus's body would be coming back to life. He would establish a thousand year kingdom on earth. And this would begin the rapture when all the faithful would be swept up from the earth to meet Jesus in the air. (laughs) which sounds fun Um, (laughs) you're flying and Jesus shows up and is like hey you were a great person (laughs) thanks and then there would be a period of tribulations in which a seven year period of terror calamity and persecution would begin uh, ending with Jesus returning with his church to vanquish all evil in the final battle known as Armageddon which I feel like I had heard so many of these words before but I just thought they all meant apocalypse right but the really specific things within the apocalypse yeah and the millennium of Jesus's earthly reign would follow, which my brain is thinking like, oh, so they thought like it's a thousand year period, fresh thousand years. That's why it's 2000. <laughs> yeah. Which I think there might've been a couple of other reasons, but I think that's the big one. Yeah, the big yeah. one. And the millennium of Jesus's earthly reign would follow, culminating in his final judgment over the living and the dead and the end of earthly history, which sounds scary. Uh, this whole way of thinking was known as premillennialism. Which, oh. <laughs> and there was like with, that feels like a drag <laughs> yeah well within this group there was also some people who had a way of thinking which was known as post-millennialism mm. which essentially thought that 2000 isn't the year Jesus is coming back but there will be throughout this millennium Jesus will start sending people to come and prepare us all and then after that millennium he'll come I'm not a millennial I'm Um, the thing about these theories though is that they were rooted in a lot of the Christian theories I mean not Mm -hmm. the computer bug ones but 
they were rooted in a lot of anti-Semitism. Mm. And Gross. yeah, it was yucky, <laughs> mostly because they believed that at the beginning of this whole apocalypse, a important person would emerge and would mm-hmm. unite the world into one world government. Oh. And unite us all, and then that person would reveal themselves to be the Antichrist. One nation under God. Oh, whoops. <laughs> a Simpson under Antichrist. <laughs> uh-uh. Exactly. Uh-uh. Exactly. Um, and there were a lot of things that looked like that during the, 19th cen- the 1900s, like the founding of the UN in 1948 made him nervous. George Bush made a comment during which war was it? The Gulf War? That sounds right. <laughs> this is George H.W. Bush, right? Oh. Senior. I think senior. Because George Bush wasn't right. elected until... Well, this article that I was, was reading it? this for, interesting, interestingly yes, enough, was written yeah. in 1999. Oh. So I'm reading this as, like, people thought, but this person was writing as, like, people think. Yeah. Um, but he referred to, uh, like, a coming together, something as, like, a one world nation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was exactly that. Don't quote me. But he, he talked a lot. Of, he mentioned in one speech mm-hmm. something to that effect. And some mm-hmm. people were like, that's the sign of it. But the biggest thing was that in 1948, uh, there was the foundation of the state of Israel. Mm. And they saw the establishment of the Jewish state as a fulfillment of the prophecy. And that the Jews of the diaspora would gather in is- Israel, where a large number would be converted and this event would shortly precede the return of Jesus and the end of earthly history. So they basically were like, ah, oh, the people that are going to do this is the Jews. Oh. So. That's annoying. We don't like that. <laughs> we don't like that. Yeah. Is this a large group of people that thought that, or is it, like, pretty small? I mean, it's just really the extremists. Okay. Like, a large majority of Christians did not believe this. Okay. But, I'm you know, sure. every group has its... You know, kooks. <laughs> Did you just say I'm a Jew? Yeah, I'm a Jew and I don't like it. <laughs> that's why we, that. that. we brought you here. I do not you know, diversifying the podcast. I do not approve this message. Wow. <laughs> so those In are really the, the theories. There was the okay. far right Christian one that was bad, and then there was the one that I think is kind of a legitimate concern. Like if you told me, like, wait, you didn't program the computers correctly, so when the year changes this year, it's gonna. That gets Everything's gonna fail, yeah. and everything that we live on is based on computers. Yeah, That's which a- I think the moral of the story here is: listen to those people in Japan who had a backup computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is true. So Japan's gonna survive climate change and all of that, and they're gonna yeah. be like, "Lol, this started with the backup computer." Wow, that was interesting. Yeah. The part where you were talking about um, like God raising them up or whatever reminds me of that article, the you Florida the up. Florida couple that was selling tickets to heaven. <laughs> Which like wild from start to finish. We have a moment. I'm just gonna read it. We have a minute. I think I think the people need to hear it. Sarah had me read this to her the other night because she had read it. And she wanted me to read it, so I read it out loud and I literally had to stop every like four words. It's it funny. gets wilder every turn. Here we go. Florida couple arrested for selling tickets to heaven. A couple in Florida, Tito and Amanda Watts, were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people. They sold the tickets on the street for $99.99 per ticket, told the buyers the tickets were made from solid gold, and then each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearly gates and you are in. 
Tito Watts said in his police statement, I do not care what the police say. The tickets are solid gold. And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC and told me to sell them so I could get me some money to go to outer space. I met an alien named Stevie who said if I got the cash together, he would take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that is made entirely of drugs. You should arrest Jesus because he is the one that gave me the golden tickets. I am willing to wear a wire and set Jesus up. In her police statement, Amanda Watts said, we just wanted to leave Earth and go to space and do drugs. I did not do anything. Tito sold the golden tickets to heaven. I just watched. The police said they confiscated over $10,000 in cash, drug paraphernalia, and a baby alligator. You know what one of the most unrealistic things about the story is to me? Yeah. If you had tickets that got you into heaven mm-hmm. and they were solid gold too, don't you think they would cost a lot more than $99? Like that's the thing, is like I don't really feel bad for the people who got scammed. Like oh. <laughs> someone buying the KFC was like, I have a solid gold ticket to heaven, nineteen ninety nine. I saw Jesus behind the KFC. <laughs> Jesus told me behind the KFC like I love that like this clearly was published in some small town home like small hometown paper because they don't say like the KFC like they don't specify which KFC it is it's just the KFC yeah kills me I love articles about Florida men a Florida man Florida couple um so Aaron is our is our middle bit cool it's gonna be great okay I want to start with a monologue Mm. Mm. <laughs> a cold open. Yes. <clears throat> Proceed. Whenever you're ready. According to all known laws of aviation, there is no way a bee should be able to fly. <laughs> its wings are too small to get its fat little body off the ground. The bee, of course, flies anyway. Because bees don't care what humans think is impossible. Maybe my topic is uh, how do bees fly? It's, no. No. It's neither, it's of them. neither of those? My topic is memes. <gasps> Where did they come from? Where did they, they go? go? Where did they come from? Cotton Eye Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Um, I, 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 I was actually originally going to do how do bees fly, and then I was like, no, let me just do memes. Let's just do memes. Because, like, where did they come from? That's what, true. What do memes? I've wondered this before. We've talked to you talking about this uh, before. I'm, I'm pumped. Sounds like you haven't done this. I double-checked, but... We have not. Good to know. I'm jazzed. I'm okay. very, very jazzed. Let's start with the word meme. Okay, wait. Let's wait for Jane. Yeah, let's wait oh, for sorry, Jane. sorry. I had to get a cough drink. Jane is predisposed. <laughs> Jane's, Jane's not interested in what we're doing. <laughs> He said memes, and I was like, that's it, I'm done. I'm walking, I'm walking She walked out, she's I'm actually left the building. <laughs> yeah, she took my car here. Yeah, she drove off. Um, I was taking over my spot in the podcast, because I just, <laughs> I can't. She quit. Uh, Her contract was up, and she did not want to renew. It's a new year. The computers didn't understand that it was 2020, so. They didn't. Uh, okay, the word meme actually comes from a famous evolutionary biologist, Richard Dawkins. Oh, Do we Richard. know Richard Dawkins? No, no, I don't know anything about evolutionary biology, I except for Darwin. I don't know a lot about Andy him either, so. Mm. I feel like this is like our Avengers. We'll have like one big episode where we have Philippa and... Oh I'm, putting a, I'm putting a team together. That's, that's a cool idea. Richard Dawkins does sound like a scientist name, though. It like, does, you hear yeah. that and you think, like, that's the scientist. He picked his name. Um... 
So, in his 1976 book, The Selfish Gene, mm -hmm. he created the word meme as an attempt to explain the way cultural information spreads. It started as um, a sort of cellular thing regarding evolution. Mm -hmm. um, so it comes from the idea um, that the cells of an organism are like always communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. And evolution is uh, basically an ongoing exchange of information between like an organism and its environment. Okay. So the meme is sort of like the information that is like passed around. Oh, But then yeah. it can also be used in a sort of like social sense in mm -hmm. terms of like memes as we know them today yeah but just like sort of any information that is spread around basically i think is what it means so like gossip could be a meme i guess so mm -hmm. yeah but it's not the object itself mm -hmm. um i read a very like academic article about this on the <laughs> smithsonian magazine so a lot of this comes from that and me trying to interpret that great um so basically he made his own jump from the evolution of genes to the evolution of ideas and how cool. they spread and change to meme is to evolve. <laughs> he, he didn't say that. Whoa. That was from the podcast. That's oh, a quote. Okay. okay, I actually now I'm going to do two quotes, if that's cool. Yeah, I please. think they explain things pretty well. Cool. So memes propagate themselves in the meme pool, which... <laughs> I thought you were going to say in the meme time. <laughs> in the meme time. In the meme time. It, they propagate themselves in the meme pool. Uh, <laughs> oh, like gene pool. Yeah. <laughs> the meme pool. These all just feel let's like puns. A, yeah, let's take a dive in the meme pool. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's take a dip. Um, Test the yeah, water. Um, in the meme pool, by leaping from brain to brain via a process which, in the broad sense, can be called imitation. Mm -hmm. Lice works the same way. <laughs> Memes are like lice because... No, um, <laughs> They compete with one another for limited resources, brain time, or bandwidth. They compete, most of all, for attention, which relatable relatable. <laughs> all the memes in my head are trying to push themselves forward. <laughs> also, I like this explanation. An object is not a meme. The Ooh. hula hoop is not a meme. It is made of plastic, not of bits. <laughs> when this species of toy... <laughs> spread worldwide in a mad epidemic in 1958 was the product, the physical manifestation of a meme or mm. memes. The craving for hula hoops, the swaying, <laughs> swinging, twirling skill set of hula hooping. The hula hoop itself is a meme vehicle. Did this guy have like a dramatic childhood and all he had was hula hoops? Like this is all from an article from Smithsonian Magazine. You can look this up. These two quotes, these long quotes. I just thought the way it was written was really funny, but also it explains like the origin of the yeah. word. Yeah, no, really it makes well. a lot of sense when he's explaining that like the hula hoop isn't the meme. It's like the yeah. widespread use and the popularity yeah. of the hula hoop is right. the meme. But right. like. Just the way he describes hula hoops it's so passionately. <laughs> so initially, memes were like a word of mouth thing, but later, like um, clay tablets, uh, uh -huh. sheets of paper, the internet, <laughs> etc. Sheets of paper. Um, so, uh, rewinding a bit. Uh, to the early 1870s because I heard about something that could very much be described as what we typically know as a meme today. Mm. There's a British portrait photographer, Harry Pointer, and he created a uh, carte de visite. I might be mispronouncing that, but it's basically a small postcard-sized photograph series. 
And in this series, he had many pictures of cats with captions on them, <laughs> including, <I'm laughs> including, but not limited to, a cat in a high chair <laughs> with the caption, what's delaying my dinner? <laughs> um, so this could be an early example yeah. of a long cat. Yeah. <laughs> a long cat. That is my dad's cat, Kramer, in a nutshell. <laughs> this might be a weird order to put this in, but I had to start with, like, defining the meme yeah. and then rewinding way back. No, and please. now we're fast-forwarding again. No, 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 no um, The first, to go to the first time, the term viral text or viral sentences was used. Ooh. Um, Stephen Walton, who was a reader of Dawkins, was the first person to use these terms uh, while corresponding with a cognitive scientist named Douglas... Here we go. Hofstadter. 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 That is the name. In 1981. Hofstadter. Hofstadter? Hofstadter. Do you want to read it? We'll just call him Dr. H. How about that? Oh, there's so much more letters than I was expecting. Um, Hofstadter. Hofstadter. Do you want to give it a go? There's a secret T in there that you don't expect. It's the T that gets Hof, you. Hofstadter. Hofstadter? Yeah. Is like a Stadler? Stadler. It's probably German. Oh, well. It's a Stadler. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to reference sure, his name again. Well. This is the sure. last time. But then, in 1983, this person he was corresponding with proposed <laughs> the um, label for the discipline of memes <gasps> called <gasps> memetics. <gasps> <laughs> I want to major in memetics. I'm changing my course. This is in 1983, though, so this is before our modern understanding right. of the word meme and how it's changed. Right. Um, today, uh, we we could refer to memetics as the study of memes, the scientific term uh, for units of culture and what a meme is. Uh, and units of culture. What an interesting units idea. Units of culture. Uh, also, um, I don't know if I would loop this in with my common understanding of what a meme is, but this was in the uh, Smithsonian article, Mm -hmm. uh, and I found this really, uh, interesting. Uh, chain letters have been around as early as 1902, and they would say things like, quote, make seven copies of it exactly (laughs) as it is written. (laughs) And then from 1923... Copy this in full and send to nine friends. <laughs> Did you ever get those emails? Like when I first had an email address, I got those that was like send to seven friends. I would always get texts of that. Yeah, I got texts yeah. too. I love the the sort of format now with all the emojis. Yes, it's like send to your ten sluttiest Santa. Yeah, <laughs> Santa babies or something. Yeah, or an elf will like kill you or something like that. Um, it's so dark. Yeah, so uh, Daniel W. Van Arsdale, mm-hmm. I think I said that correctly. He was the yeah, person sure. who sort of, um, I guess, collected these example letters. But, you know, that's an example of, like, sort of virality, mm-hmm. if you will, yeah. if that's a word. Wow. Um, so, you know, how to sort thing, how things spread. Uh, so these viral outbreaks of chain letters spread all throughout the early 20th century, and I guess you could say they were all memes. Yeah. If they were being copied exactly as is, and the same idea being like spread around. Yeah. Okay. Now let's get to the real meat of the situation. Ooh. Uh, the we're concept the middle of, the pie. of the internet meme was first proposed by Mike Goodwin in the June 1993 issue of Wired. 
I know what Mike Goodwin, but I'm sure he didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jane's friend. We should yeah. call him up. Let, yeah, my let's, fourth grade teacher's husband. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they went to my church. We're calling him right now. <laughs> um, things uh, would sort of change. This might be in a weird order, but in 1994, Photoshop introduces the layers feature, which really made it easy for people to like start making memes. Mm-hmm. But... According to a couple of sources, it depends on who you ask, because how could you go and say, like, what's the first, like, internet meme? It's kind right. of, like, difficult to pin down. Yeah. But according to the History of the Internet podcast, mm-hmm. the first, um, like, really widespread, wide-known internet meme was, all your base are belong to us. Are we familiar with this? No. I think I was kind of familiar with it. So... It's from a video game. It's a bad translation uh, from Japanese to English from a game called uh, Zero Wing Arcade. The original translation from Japanese should have been something more like, with the cooperation of federal forces, CATS, all capital (laughs) C-A-T-S, obviously stands for something, have taken over all of your bases. But in English, the translation became, all your bases are belong to us. <laughs> um, so, yes, people are sort of like sharing that every everywhere, and it became widely popularized on the Something Awful message forums when Kansas City programmer and part-time DJ <laughs> Jeffrey Ray Roberts uploaded a, a dance track, a techno dance track, um, called Invasion of the Gabber Robots, which basically remixed some of the game's music with this quote in 2000. (laughs) And a lot early on around this time, like the internet as it was then, uh, these kinds of things were primarily spread around email or message boards. So that's really where things blew up. People were sending this stuff to each other on message boards. Do you know what was like a serious way of me to like make friends and get information when I was in elementary school? Mm. The Neopets message boards. Neopets. I spent so much time on Neopets and I did so much. Like I I was on them all the time. I had friends on Neopets, like talked to them on my homework. Like (laughs) I went so Did you have to feed them? The Neopets, yeah. Oh, I guess mine are all dead now. They don't they don't die, they get really sick and tired. Oh god, Aww. I guess they're really sick and tired. Yeah. <laughs> sick and tired of my I crap. I logged into my web my webkins recently. Not that recently. Webkins but. deletes it if you exactly. don't keep buying them, I, which is like buy and I was like, no, wow, which is devastating. That's really tragic. Cuz I had a lit webkins house. I was so sad. All that work. <laughs> Depressing. Uh so anyway, that's primarily how things were scattered around. Um and then 2006 the first time lolcats is used to describe mm-hmm. cat memes on 4chan a lot of memes apparently started on 4chan oh my god um yes and then around the same time around 2006 is when meme generators popped off and that's when i think stuff really started to happen yeah. because uh even though photoshop is around and that's how people would make the traditional meme format of like text at the top text at the bottom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they would do stuff on photoshop but that's not necessarily so um, usable to everyone. Not everyone knows how to do that or has Photoshop. Right. So when meme generators came around, I think that's when people really started. Everyone's making their own mm-hmm. memes now. Um, so that's around 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get into a few kinds of memes. There are dank memes, <laughs> uh, which can also refer to be referred to as exceptionally unique or odd. Uh, they have been described as 
internet in-jokes that are so played out they become funny again or so nonsensical that they are hilarious. Mm. Uh, Pepe memes. Wait, do we have an example of a dank meme? You know, I should. Let's edit this in. <laughs> Let's find a dank meme. Here's a dank meme, at least when you Google image it. Image it, which I do not recommend because yeah. there's, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. But here's one that I'm okay with. It says things found in Area 51, and then there's an edited Shrek 5 title with a... There's a lot of weirdly edited faces. There's a strangely edited Shrek face, and it says Shrek 5, uh, what the heck, here's another Shrek. So I guess that's in Area 51. Was there a Shrek 4? Yeah. Yeah. Shrek forever after. Oh it wasn't God. great. It wasn't great. No, I don't think so. I'm sorry for any meme historians out there. Yeah. If, if I am, you know not correctly uh, exemplifying a dank meme. But that's what I went with. I never knew specifically like what the defini definition of it was. Um, and then we have another, at least according to Wikipedia, uh, which it's true, a, high, a highly popular meme genre are Pepe memes, which I used to like Pepe memes, but then they were kind of hijacked by the alt-right, mm. um, but Pepe is a frog uh, <laughs> from some cartoon. Should I should I find out what cartoon no, it no, is no, right no, now? No, 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 you know, he's, the, he's the frog on the bike. We know, we know. Yeah. We all know. He's on a bike. Yeah, is that a different I feel frog? Like I've never seen him on a bike. He's not on a bike. I just, he, I just know his face. There's oh, a 3D oh, frog. I'm thinking of the 3D frog. Yes, like, I just remember who frog. Pepe is. I remember who Pepe yes, is. Uh, he's not on a bike. He's he's drawn. Yes, he's, he's yeah. like a drawn he's frog and. People like to do some really fucked up things with Pepe. I agree. Um, but I used to think he was funny once upon a time. Uh, okay, and then another meme format, which I personally enjoy, is the short form video, <laughs> largely coming from the success of Vine. Uh, so we have, hi, welcome to Chili's. Yeah. Uh, basically any viral um, like short video or Vine, that's, mm -hmm. that could be a meme. Wow. Um, but another another thing you could classify as a meme are do we do we know YouTube poops? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this thing came around. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, uh, it was a <laughs> kind of video called YouTube poop, and basically it was um, like Nintendo cartoons that were like edited in very strange ways. Like they were like. There was a Mario TV show. A lot of it came from like this, and there was a Zelda TV show as well. And um, you know what, viewer? Just go and look up YouTube Poop yourself to find what that's about. Oh my but, gosh. But uh, it's a wild, crazy ride. I bet. Um, so, of course, eventually the website came about. If you want to learn more meme history called Know Your Meme, <laughs> you can look up any meme on this website and it will tell you like the history of this meme as far as we know. That's where crazy. It came from. That's so cool. Yeah, so great. So, revisiting Dawkins, if we will, for a second. Um, of course, so he's still around. And of course, at least I think he is. He was around at least when internet memes were around. So he was asked, like, what do you think of the way, like, this word has changed to mean this thing? And he said it was basically a hijacking of the original idea. Um, but I don't think he necessarily meant it in a, in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And then instead of mutating by random change and spreading by a form of Darwinian selection, <laughs> they are altered deliberately by human creativity. So it's like 
kind of interesting yeah. how the word meme itself evolved as if it were like a meme mm-hmm. in some ways. I think it's also interesting to look at memes and how they've evolved as a tracking of like the evolution of the human brain yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. And the way we understand things. Like, I feel like I understand things completely differently because memes exist. Mm-hmm. You know, than I would if I didn't. Yeah. Then they would, then, then I would understand if they did not. Totally. So that is interesting. The discourse of memes. Yeah. <laughs> the meme pool. Um. Okay. So you guys know this. I was made into a little meme. Yeah. In college. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's because amazing. There was a photo of me that our friend Jenna resurfaced because I liked an old. Uh, not exactly flattering photo of her as like a child so then she unearthed a picture of me uh, but I still had to wear glasses which somehow I just didn't need to anymore the doctors were like you're good now you're good anymore. <laughs> that's um, crazy miracle child no. so you developed 2020 vision yeah it should have got Before better 2020 uh, <laughs> you're good and it's a picture of me holding my my bunny peaches and I, I had an interesting haircut and I had glasses and um, my dad had edited glasses onto peaches as well. So Jenna resurfaces and this was around Easter so people started making it into memes at our college. Unfortunately, never really spread beyond the college. It's also but... like, it's a professionally taken photo. Like you're in front of a backdrop. Yeah, my dad's a photographer. Oh, yeah, you're in front of a backdrop. <laughs> yeah. Like sitting and posed in a chair like it was your school picture. Right. With, with peaches. A yeah. And also I look... I look crazy. Um, so, yeah. So, if you're listening to this, I don't know, find this on the internet. Like, make it a thing. I'd love to be, like, a meme outside of our college. Oh, my um, God. And th- they would say things like, hoppy Easter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice buns. Yeah. <laughs> I think Christine made the nice buns one. Mark edited, photoshopped it so that Peach's face and my face were switched. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying. That's so scary. Okay. Yeah, so I would like to wrap up this discourse by asking, what are our favorite memes? I was gonna ask what are our favorite memes. Um, uh, now I suddenly have to think. I was never a big fan of the memes that were like pictures with text on them. Like me I neither. Like, I, don't I like, like that more. Format. I like more of the more recent memes. I agree. Like the ones on Twitter, like the um the bunny holding the protest sign, like. I like, but I like memes like that. Like I like Twitter memes a lot, mm-hmm. um, with everyone like retweet, like everybody saying things on Twitter in the same format, but just like changing the words. Mm-hmm. I think those are my favorite memes. But I was a really, really big fan of the. Like, I was really into the you tried star and all of the derivations of it. Mm. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to say this and you're going to be like, that's not a meme. Um, the, like, guy looking over his shoulder while his girlfriend, like, is like... That's a meme! Oh, okay. That's absolutely okay. a meme. Okay. That's, like, like meme that 101. The one where they're, like, it's a hand and doesn't know which button to press. And that, like, yeah, that's things. a meme, too. <laughs> oh, the Mr. Krabs looking shook. <laughs> I love that. That's a great one. I, I have a loose meme. definition of memes. I think mm. a lot of things could be considered a meme, mm-hmm. really. I, like... This isn't like narrowing it down to one meme, but I like all of the Kermit memes. Any meme that involves Kermit, so much so that my like account name in some places is Meme Kermit. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, so funny. That's my Pokemon Go username, Meme Kermit. Really? Yeah. That's hysterical. Um, which I was debating if I should like share that, but I think you you can't add it from the account name. I think you need like a code. Yeah, I think. I, I feel like it was short lived, but I like the. Uh, 
I feel like I need a good example, but it was like this actor could do blank. Oh, but, but this, this other actor, actor could not do. do the first one I saw was like Meryl Streep could do There Will Be Blood, but Daniel Day Lewis couldn't do The Devil Wears Prada. He could not. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Or maybe it was Emily Blunt, I don't remember. But it was like, it, those were really funny. I really loved those memes. We go through so uh, many memes in a year. It's insane. So many memes. I love the, the gif of him in like a theater and he's just like, <laughs> flailing his flailing eyes. around. What's the name of that little mouse that Kelsey really likes? The blue Tutter. Tutter. <laughs> Tutter's I'm a good movie. familiar with that. He's the blue mouse from um, Bear in the Big Blue House. Oh, I thought he was from like Fraggle Rock or something. Oh, I Tiny love the. And Chuck, yes. I like the Pikachu open mouth meme. That's yeah. a good one. That's meme. a good one. That one I like always feel like I Yes, need. that's who I thought it was. Yeah. I've seen pictures of him with like edited tears on his face. Yeah, Tutter, Tutter's a good one. I saved that one on my phone recently. I think uh, in the thing, like, what's your last save meme of the year? And I think it was one of him crying. So <laughs> I think that's going to be my 2020. That's what it was supposed to be. Oh, amazing. The Arthur Fist. Oh, Arthur oh, Fist. Oh, Arthur Fist, classic. Oh, um, D, the, another Arthur one is DW saying, well, that sign can't stop me because I don't know how to read. read. And yeah. they changed, <laughs> changed the text of the sign. Yeah. That's a good one. Wow. Wow. All right, well. Alrighty. Let's move on. You can dream about memes at home. Yeah. Send us your favorite memes. Yeah. Dream about memes. Yeah, send us memes. a meme to send Don't to let Aaron. your memes be dreams. <gasps> wow. Sweet memes. Sweet memes, everybody. So many memes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> Thank you. Um, are we ready to move on to my topic? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So this week, this is going to be a very different topic, but we're just going to switch it around. <laughs> I don't think there are any memes about this person, but maybe there are. Um... So today we are talking about Princess Diana, and we're specifically right. talking about the conspiracy theories surrounding her death. But before conspiracy, before we talk about conspiracy theories, I want to do a quick recap on Princess Diana because she died when we were very, we were only two when she died. Yeah. And so if you are our age or a little older, definitely younger, you might not know a lot about her. Um, so Princess Diana was the first wife of Prince Charles of Wales. Mm -hmm. They married in 1981. She was 20 years old. And they had two sons, Prince William and Prince Harry. Um, there was a 13-year age gap between Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Oh, ew, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, so they had... He was 33. Mm -hmm. In my head, oh my he was God. super young. Yeah. I think it's because I, I, I just watched season three of The Crown, and in mm -hmm. that, like, Prince Charles was still in college. I think I thought, like, oh, yeah, he's going to marry Diana real soon. But yeah. even though she's not even in it yet, that's not yeah. a spoiler. She was 20. Um, so they had little in common, and their marriage began to fall apart in the mid-'80s. Prince Charles had an extramarital affair with his ex-girlfriend and future second wife, Camilla Parker Bowles, Duchess, Duchess of Cornwall, mm -hmm. um, and possibly others. And Diana had her own, affair with own affairs with many, but most notably Major James Hewitt. Mm -hmm. Their affairs became very, very public. Um, mm -hmm. Someone interviewed Diana and published about her affairs in a book um, in the early 90s. Um, and the couple faced a lot of scrutiny. Um, their divorce was finalized on August 28, 1996, after, seven, after 15 years of marriage. Diana received a lump sum settlement of £17 million, as well as £400,000 per what? year. Per year? Per year. £400,000 oh per my God. year. Um, so Diana lost the title Her Royal Highness and was instead title, given the title Diana Princess of Wales. Mm -hmm. um, as the mother of the 
prince expected to one day become king. Yeah. She continued to be regarded as a member of the royal family and was accorded the same precedence she enjoyed during her marriage. So mm. her ability to like socialize with the royal family did not change and she was still welcome at most of the same events as the royal mm. family. But also keep in mind that she was only divorced a year, like it was a year and three days after yeah. her divorce was finalized that she died. So her, her time of divorce was very mm -hmm. short and for the rest, for the remainder of her life. Um, I don't like discussing historic women in terms of who they were married to. <laughs> so yeah. we're also going to talk about that, like, Princess Diana, one of the reasons she is such an iconic figure is yes. because she was very philanthropic. Yes. Um, and she really pushed the boundaries of royal involvement um, in charities and also with, like, who the royal family was associating with and who they were giving money to. She really, like push the envelope there is that what the phrase is yeah. yeah yeah that's a phrase yeah and so she developed an intense interest in serious illnesses and health related matters mm. outside traditional royal involvement including aids and leprosy um in 1987, Diana was awarded the Honorary Freedom of the City of London uh, Medal, which is the highest honor the City of London, like the government, can bestow mm. on a person. Um, in Moscow, she received the International Leonardo Prize, which is given to, quote, the most distinguished patron in people in the arts, medicine, and sports. In December 1995, Diana received the United Cerebral Palsy Humanitarian of the Year Award in New York City. And in 1997, the princess opened the Richard Attenborough Center for Disability and Arts in Leicester. Uh -huh. um, in recognition of her effect as a philanthropist, Stephen Lee, who is the director of the UK Institute of Charity Fundraising Managers, said, quote, her overall effect on charity is probably more significant than any other person's on the, in the 20th century. Mm. She was a patron and board member to over 100 charities at the time of her divorce. But because of the settlement and because she lost a significant amount of wealth, she withdrew her patronage from 100 charities mm -hmm. on the day of her divorce and continued with only six. Um, just because her finances had significantly changed. Yeah. And her ability to have access to these things. Yeah. On August 31st, 1997, Princess Diana was involved in a fatal car crash in the Pont de l'Alma in Paris, France. She died in the hospital. Her partner, Dodi Fayed, and their driver, Henry Paul, were pronounced dead at the scene. Her death caused a substantial outpouring of worldwide grief, and her funeral was watched by an estimated 2.5 billion people on television, and, and over a million people showed up to Westminster Abbey for the funeral. Um, she is currently buried on an island in a lake on her family's property. She was actually buried with a rosary given to her by Mother Teresa. <gasps> Jeez. The wow. Mother Teresa and Mother Teresa died the day before her funeral. What? Yeah, and they were like close personal friends. Isn't that crazy? Jeez. Um, within the days following her death, the Princess of Wales Memorial Fund was established um, to accommodate the overwhelming number of donations given to Kensington Palace in her honor. During its 15 years of operation, the fund worked to secure sustainable improvements in the lives of the most disadvantaged people in the UK and around the world by giving grants and things like that, but it closed in 2012. There are many conspiracy theories surrounding mm -hmm. Diana's death, but they all run under the assumption that Princess Diana's death was not an accident and that somebody wanted her dead. Um, the conspiracies were so popular and widespread that the Metropolitan Police established an independent operation known as Operation Paget. I'm assuming that's what it is. It's P-A-G-E-T. I don't think it's Paget. 
Mm-hmm. Pegay. Pegay. I'm going to say Pegay. Um, to see if there was any truth to any of the conspiracies. Um, this operation took years and years and years and cost millions of dollars in taxpayer money. And they found nothing to mm. suggest anything suspicious. Diana herself did think she was going to be killed. She oh. wrote in a letter to Paul Burrell, um, who was a former uh, Burrell, um, who was a former butler of hers. Quote, this particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. Someone is planning an accident in my car, brake failure, and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for Charles to marry. Because they'd already been divorced. Mm. Um, Diana had experienced car troubles in the week before the accident as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. I just got chills. Yeah. Um, many theorize that the paparazzi made the car crash intentionally. Some say the paparazzi chased the Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Others think that the paparazzi encouraged chaos so that the crash would happen. And some even believe that the, paparazzi, that the paparazzi provided a cover for conspirators to exploit. So a lot of this has to do with the number of people that were surrounding the car. It was also like late at night when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was part of it that like there was there's so many people that it was like the ideal place for an accident to happen and for things to go unnoticed much like i think this is very similar to the jfk assassination like mm-hmm. so many people um with all that cover people who doubt the official course of events also point to driver henry paul as the cause of the crash um, many believe that he was paid by security services in France or the UK or both to mm. purposefully, like, crash the car. Um, Paul's blood samples apparently in the original autopsy showed that his blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. Now, remember, he was driving. However, no, 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 however... No. Some think that these reports were faked Mm. to make it look like he, oh, he was just drunk and it was an accident because CCTV and witnesses say that Paul was not acting or looked or like behaved that drunk at all. Yeah. Like there was no physical and behavioral signs that he was that drunk when they got in the car. So some people think that like the toxicologist faked the blood alcohol level because they were being paid by the French government mm. or the UK government to cover to cover it up and they were like oh yeah he was drunk he crashed because he was drunk um UK doctors later revisited it and the UK doctors do not think Paul was that drunk mm. so because remember they died in France that's why France that's why the French police were involved because this happened in France most conspiracy theorists agree that the car had been tampered with, regardless of who they think did it. Um, many saw the car going fast, but it's impossible to say how fast. Yeah. You can't look at a car and be like, that car's going 60 miles an hour. That's just not right. how it works. Yeah. So some people tried to be like, it was going so fast, the brakes must have been broken. But like, there's nothing yeah. to show that. And it's really, and witnesses all report different things. Um, numerous people reported seeing flashes as the car headed into the tunnel where it would crash. That could yeah. have been from camera flashes from the paparazzi. Um, the flashes were blamed for the crash itself, that like it was surprising and it caused the car to swerve. Yeah. Um, but the problem was that many people reported different flashes at different times coming from different places Mm. so there's no reliable source conspiracy theorists also believe that diana's medical care was 
specifically sabotaged. Mm. Um, part of this comes from the fact that the French handle emergencies different than the British do. In France, if you are in an emergency situation and you need medical attention, it is their belief that they're going to do everything they can on site before taking you to the hospital Mm -hmm. um, and to like fix you up as much as you can before to avoid going to the hospital if possible. Mm -hmm. But in the UK, they believe that you should get to the hospital as quickly as you can. So some people, some especially British people, think that the French didn't try hard enough to save her because mm. of this like different medical belief that they have that led to her treatment being treated on the road as mm. opposed to in the hospital. Um, and they criticized um, the French doctors for not getting her to a hospital in time. Why don't they just do? I mean, I guess the ambulance is really turbulent and yeah, it's just too much moving yeah. too much. Before Diana died, she believed people she had associ- she had once associated with had been killed. She thought her former lover and bodyguard Barry Manicky was quote bumped off. She said that in an interview. Like no. she said, "Oh, I think they bumped him off." Cuz he just disappeared. Bumped him off. Yeah. The face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> like she was like, "Oh yeah, I think we I think he was killed because I had an affair with him." Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And um, the fact that she, like, talks about this, like, yeah. openly. She was very open with her, like... Which was probably, like... Scan- a little scandalous. Not good for her yeah. in terms of... Yeah. Well, it's not even, like, it wasn't good for her. It was, like, she was talking about Charles, and he's the future king. Right, right, so, right, like, right. I mean, she can yeah. do whatever she wants, but... Right. It looks like things didn't turn out exactly. so great. Before Diana died... Um, oh, sorry. Um, the British newspaper Daily Express, the Daily Express, and Egyptian businessman Mohammed Al Fayed, whose mm-hmm. son Dodi Fayed mm-hmm. also died in the car crash, and he was Diana's like boyfriend lover, um, were the most significant proponents of like thinking that there was foul play, and they really pushed this in the UK for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And Mohammed Al Fayed still believes that his son and Princess Diana were murdered. Richard Tomlinson, a former MI6 officer who was dismissed from the intelligence services um, and later served five months in prison for um, committing, like, uh, he revealed secrets he wasn't supposed to. So he spent five months in prison. Um, Claimed. mm -hmm, um, (laughs) Claimed in a sworn statement to the French inquiry which was reopened in May 1999, that Britain's MI6 had been involved in the crash. So he was arrested for saying this. He spent five months in prison for saying this. But he, what, he like spilled the beans because the French government reopened the case after all this push to be like, this wasn't an accident. Um, so an MI6 officer has said MI6 was involved. That's so shady. Yeah. Tomlinson alleged that MI6 was monitoring Diana before her death um, and had told Mohammed Al-Fayed that Henry Paul, the driver, was an MI6 agent undercover. Um, Like I said, Al-Fayed absolutely believes that the two of them were murdered. According to him, Diana was pregnant with (gasps) Dodi Fayed's son. Um, or child. He said the royal family organized her death so that an Egyptian Muslim would not be the stepfather to a future king of England. Because if she married Dodi Fayed, then he would be Prince William's stepdad. And they, he was like, the, the royal family would never allow a non-Christian to be in the royal family. 
Crazy, right? Um, so Mohammed Al-Fayed alleged that Diana's body was deliberately embalmed very shortly after her death to cover up um, any pregnancies and to assure that a pregnancy death pregnancy test would produce a false result Mm. many were actually angry at the royal family's reaction to diana's death particularly because they did not fly the royal standard flag at half mass Mm -hmm. at buckingham palace now the royal now the royal standard only flies at buckingham palace when the queen is is in the palace when she is in residence and at the time of diana's death she was in scotland so they could not fly the royal standard because the queen was not there. Mm-hmm. And that's the like tradition. So there is all this talk. They were like, you're not flying the flag half mast. Also, the royal standard is never flown at half mast because it would only be flown at half mast when somebody of the royal family died, if the queen would die. But the queen and the sovereign is never dead because at the moment of the mm. former sovereign's death, their predecessor takes over. So the royal standard can never be flown at half mast. Okay. Because there's never not a king or a queen. So the compromise was that um, the queen flew back from Scotland to London for the funeral. And as she was leaving Buckingham Palace, they flew the Union flag mm-hmm. at half-mast. As she was at half-mast. As mm. she was leaving to go to the funeral was the compromise. And that is now the tradition when mm. somebody passes away. That they mm. fly the Union flag half-mast on the way to the funeral. But many were upset at this. They thought that they were acting cold and standoffish, that they weren't showing enough like sympathy um, at the time of her death. The queen had actually really reconciled her relationship with Princess Diana by the time of her death. Um, Mm. And Diana, some people say that Diana had a closer relationship with Queen Elizabeth than she had with her mother when she died. Uh Um, The queen wanted Diana's funeral to be small and private, um, which is likely also what Princess Diana would have wanted. Um, But Charles insisted that it be public. Um, There is no evidence that Princess Diana was pregnant, um, both in her behavior, she had been drinking, that night Um, and she made no hints to her close friends about such a thing Um, and none of the postmortem examinations showed any signs of pregnancy so she 99% was not pregnant Um, Al-Fayed made the assertion in television interviews that the couple were going to announce their engagement on September 1st 1997 the next day this is unlikely they'd only been dating of a very very short while yeah Um, she'd had she had two relationships in the year of her divorce the year following her divorce so like it seems unlikely that they were already going to be engaged it is possible that they had been having an affair while she was still married and their relationship Mm -hmm. had been longer um but it still feels unlikely unlikely operation pagay um commented that the announcement of such a magnitude um from the princess of wales would have required a lot of media preparation so there would have been documents to show like oh the media is going to have to be at this place on this day we need this number of security like these stuff have to be pre-planned and there was no evidence that any of that had been pre-planned and so like the likelihood of making a surprise announcement it just it just wouldn't be possible Mm. because like the backlash from that she would have wanted to be prepared like she would have wanted security there um there would have been some sort of meeting scheduled and there was no evidence of any meeting Mm. being scheduled um and 
One of the witnesses was Haznat Khan, who was a Muslim heart surgeon of Pakistani origin um, based in London, who had had a relationship with Princess Diana for two years. Mm -hmm. So he had been in a relationship with her for the last year of her marriage and then Mm -hmm. for, like, part of 1996-97. Diana had explored the possibility of marriage with him, and this was, like, met with no opposition by the royal family she had brought it to prince charles and to queen elizabeth and said i might get remarried to this pakistani muslim man and they had given her her blessing when she was in the relationship so that kind of breaks a hole into al-fayed's theory that the royal family killed her because she was going to marry an egyptian muslim because she almost married a pakistani muslim um that's really everything i have okay in 2008, British journalist Noel Botham wrote a book called The Murder of Princess Diana, and it was later adapted into a made-for-TV movie by Lifetime, <laughs> starring Jennifer Morrison, but not as Princess Diana. Who does um, she play? She plays a journalist. Uh. Um, and I want to watch it, because it sounds interesting, but... Um, even though there's no concrete evidence, some people will always believe her death was foul play, um, but as of right now, it's just... An unfortunate, sad accident. I think a lot of it is just that the optics of it are really bad. Mm-hmm. Because this member of the family that the public really loved, but it was kind of like public knowledge that she, she traditionalists wouldn't super approve of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were suddenly like acting, like, I'm phrasing, we're acting kind of shady. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of suspicious things surrounding it and like. Right. I think it's also hard because it, this is a situation where you really could be like, can we trust the people investigating yeah. it when this is when the royal family's involved and like how much can they cover up? Right. You know. Yeah. This is fascinating, but to me, like the the part to really dig into is the the officer that what's the organization called? Mi six. It's their Mi six officer who like says like this and then like goes to jail for it yeah now the question is would you go to jail for it if this is just like a lie that you told or yeah. just like if you're spilling secrets i think i think either, either. i think that's the okay. thing yeah because mi6 is so secretive that's what james bond works for mi6 oh yeah to know that yeah um, i watched one documentary on like the funeral and just like the days after mm-hmm. and they talked a lot about how harry and charles were so young they I were mean, 15 I mean, and 12 harry and william yeah um they're 15 and, and 12 like a lot of the stuff that came across to the public is like we don't care was more along the lines of like we have two young boys whose mother just died and we're trying to keep things private in between us so that they're not on top of their mother having just died being flooded by yeah. the public absolutely um so yeah. that's something to keep in mind as well. Definitely, definitely. Prince Will, I mean, Prince William said like the loss of his mother like led him into severe depression. Yeah, and, like, it was of course, and it was a really really hard time for him. And I, I think that must be especially hard knowing like you go through this really traumatic event, but like if there's one group of people that can't afford to have like lifelong trauma, it's the future, it's the royals, you know, yeah. because like if they didn't address it, if you don't address things like that when it's happening um, and you don't get them the proper help and the proper people to talk to about it mm-hmm. and then that festers in them, like, that could be really detrimental to them mm-hmm. in the yeah. long run and then they also have to, like, be the figurehead of a country, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Not that it's not important for everybody to get mental health treatment, but I think that was, like, there was probably a panic about it, yeah. you know? Like, like we have to take care of them. Yeah. So... I imagine that's what it was. 
So that's that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, Princess Diana. I did a project on Princess Diana when I was in second grade. Aww. I got a Princess Diana outfit She's and everything. Amazing. She's amazing. There's a reason why she was so loved. Many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. She was an icon in many, many ways. Just like, like Jackie and Kennedy. Yeah. I feel like she's kind of like the Kate Middleton if Kate Middleton was a little more, like, attainable. Like, a little more... I don't... I'm pretty sure Princess Diana wasn't exactly working class. I'm not saying that. Because I know yeah. she came from a very rich family. Mm-hmm. But I think she interacted with the public in a way that was a little more relatable. Definitely. And I love Kate Middleton. I'm not saying yeah. anything about Kate Middleton. But sometimes she comes across as very much, like, of the upper crust because she's trying to fit in with this family. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Princess Diana... I. Like, I think the the reason that she was so beloved is that she was willing to go into these places that other royals yeah. wouldn't touch. Like, at the point... at In the 80s and 90s, especially HIV and AIDS was very stigmatized. Right. And people made totally. crazy assumptions about what it was. Yes. And the American president was not acknowledging what was happening. Mm, right. And so, like, the fact that, that like she really championed raising money for them and talking about it was a huge deal and people definitely frowned upon her for that being like why are you talking about this because it was so taboo in many many ways and she really fearlessly was like we have to be addressing this and she taught her sons they had to do the same thing yeah absolutely and you see that you absolutely see that with um prince william and prince harry so love her I think that's everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, new setup, you can now donate to us directly through Ooh. Anchor, oh. which is who we publish through. Um, you can, if I believe you go on the Anchor app and you can say contribute and you can make a contribution of any size. So that way it doesn't have to be monthly. Um, so if you like what you're listening to, consider donating to us through there or through our Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW podcast. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. Aaron, thank you so much for being here thank with us. Thank you. Yes. Is it annoying if I plug my Twitter? No, please plug your Twitter. <laughs> His plug Twitter your... is the funniest. Thing. <laughs> yeah, no, Aaron is like the f- Aaron is a future John Mulaney. Okay? Oh, shut up! You're so funny. Um, uh, please plug you. your Twitter. You're plug like, plug I'm anything not, you want. Thank you. Um, you can follow me at a r a n underscore a c on Twitter. Um, also on Instagram, but I prefer if you follow my Twitter because I put a lot more work into that. <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent. Make him famous. All Make right. him famous. Retweet Thank his you for memes. letting me do that. Absolutely. His yeah. name, when you search it, his name, like that's his Twitter handle, but his name is a froggy, ferny cabbage. Which yes. Is an excellent yeah. musical theater reference. Oh, I'm glad you know it. I oh. feel like a lot of people oh, don't. Oh, no. Oh, no. Absolutely. Because that line is so ridiculous. If your baby is born green, <laughs> your first words are going to be like, like a froggy, ferny cabbage. cabbage. <laughs> And be like, oh my god, like my baby is green. Um, <laughs> like a froggy, yeah, ferny so cat. Yeah, you think maybe like the first reaction should be like, does she need medical care? Is something right. wrong with her? No, not yeah. like she looks like a cabbage. She looks like a cabbage. <laughs> Take her away. Um, You're referring to Wicked, if you don't know. Yes, Wicked. Uh, so yeah, A R A N underscore A C. Excellent. Thanks for letting me do that. Of course, anytime. Do you have something that you want us to talk about? Well, you had questions prepared for each no, other, No, we did right? not. No, we did not. No, we, we never, never, really? we never yeah. prepare. No, we just um, talk. <laughs> okay, I was reading a Twitter thread recently, and this might be too much to do two weeks mm-hmm. in a row on a similar kind of topic, 
but let me know like you can put this off until later if you if you want but there's also a lot of conspiracy theories about Marilyn Monroe and her death and I was reading a lot about this recently but I don't know the full picture I know that would be a very similar conspiracy theory celebrity death to do two, two weeks in a row but I think at some point or if you want to next week Okay, so I, I could cover that. Okay. Next week. All right. I can handle that. Great. So that's what Shane's going to do next week. Oh, okay. I have one that you'll like. This might kind of relate because it's like also kind of true crimey. Okay. Um, but you posted in our like idea board things that were invented as, as a result of crimes. For Ooh. example, tamper-proof seals. Ooh. I feel like you'd really get into that. Yeah, I'm going to so. dig. I'm going to I'm rolling up my sleeves. <laughs> I'm going to dig in there. I would really love to hear about things that didn't exist before, but then someone did something bad, and we're like, well, now we got to have this. <laughs> Something that was invented as a result of, of Marilyn Monroe's death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the goal. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to find that. Yeah, absolutely. I can talk about that. I can talk about true crime for dates. <laughs> I'm an Love expert. All righty. Erin, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. And thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.